You're listening to the Hospitality on a Plate podcast, brought to you by Hotel and Restaurant Times, kindly supported by Guestline, technology solutions for the hospitality industry, presented by Cyril McAree. Okay, we're here with Michael Hanley, GM of Cabin Crystal Hotel. Michael, how did you get into the industry? When did you start? Good Lord. Um, quite some time ago now, Cyril. I, um, my first ever bar job was in a small little pub. I'm from North Leitrim originally, that's home home. And my dad got me a job in a small little pub called Gallagher's in the town. And I really liked it. And as a result of that, I, when I went and I filled out my CAO form, I decided that I'd like to go down the catering route in college or whatever. And Shannon came up and I had had an uncle in Shannon who was, um, had gone through the college years and years previously. And he sort of gave me a grow for it and said, this is how it works and so on. So between the jigs and the reels, I applied and I got offered a position subject to having done some summer work in a hotel and having a small bit of experience going in. So again, I applied to Bundorn, to Brian McAniff back in the day, and I went to the Holyrood in Bundorn and I spent a very happy summer up there, a great young summer with, uh, with a lot of friends uh, uh, and, and a lot of friends still. And that got me my stepping stone then to go down into Shannon. And then I became sort of a, a Shannon graduate a number of years later. Did this, we did, we did like everybody else, we did a stage in Switzerland. And then I went to the UK and I worked in two or three hotels in the UK. And then I came back home and the rest is history. Then through quite a number of hotels here, Sleeve Russell down the road being one of them, um, Red Cow, lots, lots, of, lots of properties. But um, yeah, so th that was the, the sort of the introduction to it in the early days. And for you, what, what was it that you liked about it? Was it, was it the, the manicness of it or was the, I suppose, the indiscipline of it? Well, I suppose to some extent, I suppose the first thing that I uh, would have liked is I'm, I'm quite a, a sort of a personal guy, I think. And I like that sort of interaction and I like that sort of feeling and I like things done right and, and, and whatever. So, I mean, it was something that I, I suppose came very naturally to. And that is at a very, shall we say, entry level from the point of view of being a waiter, a barman or whatever. And as you go through it, then as you develop your skills through and you learn the, the, the finance, the HR and the problem solving, the leading skills, all of those skills, I, a lot of it fell um, easy to me. So I enjoyed it all the way through. So as a result, I am where I am today. Yeah, and can you remember your first job like, when you when you left college or you know when, you got to when I left college I went um, my first proper job I, my, the the first job was in a place called the Post House in Ashford Ashford in Kent and I left that to go and become a night manager down in a place called the Imperial Hotel in Torquay um, Torquay which of course is famous for faulty towers and all the rest of it yeah. but let me tell you this was no faulty towers this was a five star very well to do hotel up on a cliff overlooking Torbay. And there was a gentleman there who is still alive, and I, I, I noticed recently he commented on a LinkedIn, LinkedIn post of my guy called Harry Murray, who would be a very well got hotelier in the UK, and is a, a, as I understand it, he's a, an OBE uh, and so on. But he was a real formative figure in our, in our place. And an indication of the type of place that was, was that uh, in the morning time we wore morning suits, and by 10 past six in the evening you had to have changed into your evening attire. 
which is your, your monkey suit or your dinner suit. Right. And so it was a very high end, you know, guys left their shoes out in the corridors to have them polished at night time. And it was, but it was wonderful. And it was a real eye opener because the standards were so high. I mean, the, to be fair, the restaurant was really, at, it wasn't quite Michelin star, but it was very high end. And you had a full restaurant, you had a restaurant manager, you had chef durangs, you had all of that coming down and down to guys like me eventually. Uh, right, yeah. And then I stayed there for three or four years and I, I moved my way up to become a, an assistant food and beverage manager. And then, as fate might have it, um, I was offered a job in London and I went and I did the interview. I wasn't overly happy and I came home to North Leitrim and um, my mum was there, of course, mad to get her son home. And she showed me an article in the paper for the Sleeve Russell Hotel looking for a conference and banqueting manager. And she sort of encouraged me to, to go for this job. And I said, oh, go on then, you know, I was, I was quite enjoying the life in, 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 in London. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, came home, applied for the job and um, met Sean Quinn at the time. And I met, uh, I can't remember who the GM was at the time, um, and uh, got the job. Ended up spending two and a half very happy years down there and met a future wife in Belturbet and, uh, and so mm. on. So those were the early days, shall we say, you know, um, that was, we say, bring up to 25, 26 years of age, you know, so that was the, but I loved it. I loved all about it. I loved how busy it was. And Sleeve Russell was in its infancy at that stage. And it was really getting a big reputation for itself. You know? Yeah, because Sleeve Russell, in fairness, was at the time when it was being built, it was literally in the backwater. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's people, the term, you'll excuse me, it was, you know, it was the Jesus Christ Hotel. You know, you yeah. came around the corner and everybody went, Jesus Christ, look at yeah. this. And it was a real case. For me, I often comment on it in terms of, you know, it's a bit like Field of Dreams. You know, build it and they will come type of idea. And, uh, it's, and so it's proven. And even to this day, you know, it's, it's a fine property and it's, it's still driving the business. And Tony and the guys down there do a great job, you know. And I suppose being here in Cavan, uh, the hoteliers in Cavan, we sort of band together quite tightly in, as regards getting business to the local area. And Tony, myself, Paul, Ross, you know, Oliver, all of these guys work very hard to get business into the local area. So we're, we're very pro Cavan, as it were. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was how I came, came. That's how it came around. And then from there, I suppose I went into more senior roles. I was deputy general manager down the Hudson Bay in Athlone. I was mm -hmm. a deputy GM in the Grand Amala Hyde, and then I moved across to the Red Cow um, for uh, if you want to learn cabaret, that was the place to do it. Um, so you had five hundred and fifty night meal and show with Brendan Grace and June Rogers, June Rogers and all, all, all of those. Yeah. Uh, you know. But um, good times, and like I say, all the time climbing the ladder, all the time gaining experience and, uh, and so on, you know. And, and that's the thing about this industry, I mean, and it's something that people don't realise that it's many faceted. It's not, when people talk about tourism or hospitality, they mm. think of serving food mm. or cooking food. Mm. They don't realise what goes on behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the front of house people oftentimes get a lot of the praise, which is the case with me very recently in the sense that I'm out front, but I have a marvellous team here in the hotel. And I always push back to that because I think without a team, nothing happens. I mean, many people will go to a wedding and all they will see is the barman and they will see the waiters and waitresses. But behind there, there's wash up guys working really, really hard. There's whole kitchens, there's big systems in place. And then there's whole, you know, compliance parts around that and the people in the kitchens. It's not just anymore in the kitchen, you know, cooking and washing down. There's, a, there's an awful lot more to it nowadays. And then, of course, 
as a, it's become so multifaceted that we we need experts in every area from from IT to to HR to revenue management to reservations to front desk people and then you have a full maintenance engineering section as well so there's an awful lot of jobs in the business that perhaps people don't see they see me and they see the service mm. but behind the scenes there's a there's a huge team working behind the scenes you know yeah and in essence it is like if you have a discipline within hospitality if you have a discipline within hospitality you have a great um I suppose a passport to the world. You can work anywhere in the world with that. I, I mention that oftentimes to the the younger guys here. We have a we have a policy here. It's an old policy of my own, and we 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 at, at, certainly at entry level, we would have a policy whereby, and I, I have pushed this out to loads of guys. Uh, it's um, that we employ for attitude and we train for skills. Okay, so I don't particularly care that you pull points for that. You know. 10 years or whatever it is. I care that you can communicate to a customer. I care that you're, you're my person on the floor and that you're prepared to put, you know, you come in, you look the part, you dress well, you look, you know, you make an effort. Um, and I suppose from, 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 from my own view, all of those jobs from there up are something that can be taught. Lots of people can go to college. I myself went to college, okay, so I'm lucky. Um, but I suppose f f from the point of view of um, one, of the mo one of my favourite books is a thing called is a book called Setting the Table. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a, it's by a guy called Danny Mears, and Danny Mears in that book talks about the restaurant business in the U.S. And one of his famous lines is, you know, hospitality is all about how you make people feel. And then there's a, a pause, and he says, it's that easy, and that hard, and that's what I find about it in terms of I, I've, I've always used that as a mantra. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that, that you know stands to us. You know, it's it's not per se the most difficult job in the world, but if you get things right, people are people love you. If you get but, things wrong, you but know. you need a certain skill set to be able to work in the industry. You know, you need to be able to engage with people and have that interaction. Yeah, I mean, I think you know. I'm, again, I go back to Harry Murray back in back in the day, in my own experience and his ability to communicate, his ability to talk to young members of the team, his, his ability to know your name, know your background. He would often say, another line of his would have been like that, um, you know, know your staff as well as you know your customer. You know, be able to talk to them and spend as much time with them within reason, getting to know them and, uh, and what have you. And that all builds to the tough days. When the tough days come, that they'll stand up and be counted. And you, we got, like many, many times, like every other general manager, I've stood on a Wednesday looking at a weekend and going, oh my God. This is going to be a tough gig and all of a sudden it's monday mm -hmm. and it's all happened and it's done and it's gone and it's gone well why because we planned and as a team we pulled it together and whatever but to drive people and have people coming with you you need to know them in advance you need to know their strengths you need to know their weaknesses and they need to know you and what you will accept you yeah, know? yeah. Um, and i suppose that part of it too is is that sense of giving people a, a bit of i suppose but confidence in doing what they're doing, like acknowledge what they do right and all the rest of it. And if they don't do it right, obviously, yeah. in a nice way, yeah, pull them back. Because it is a people industry. Yeah. Nobody misses a free on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, true. nobody makes mistakes on purpose. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. And the nature of the game, things go wrong. Mm. A great story from a hotel many years ago of my own that I often recount to young people is that back in the day when, when you had you know, three course menus and four course menus and whatever, oftentimes there was a course, a soup and a, and a, and a consomme course, right? And I remember going into the kitchen one evening, it was a hot place, it was extraordinarily busy and you had the two pots, one for the soup and one for the consomme. So anyhow, the consomme was running out. Mm -hmm. So one of the chefs took the consomme insert and went off down to the back of the kitchen 
And whilst he was away, another young waiter came in and went to the conservo. Now, I'll let you guess what was in the bottom of that, the heating element and the water and whatever, and poured it into a bowl because it looks brown and it's, well, you know, maybe had a crouton or two in it. He was halfway out into the restaurant before it dawned on me what had happened. Now, I got there and I ran out, and I always remember it was my most faulty towers moment ever. Both had been dropped onto the table, and I came along and picked them up again, smiled and went back into the kitchen. And I always say, so anything can happen and go wrong, you know? And that could have been anybody. And the kid wasn't doing anything wrong. He was just yeah. dealing that's where the concert comes from, but right, yeah. hadn't seen what had happened previously. But I, I, I think, you know, I like the game because we have lots of moments like that, lots of mm. fun. Um, we, uh, and I think knowing your team is huge. Um, I, I have little things that I, I work by. I mean, people often say, you know, people say to you, you know, um, you know, employ people who want your job and you know, people that, that employ people who will... Uh, challenge you. Yeah, cha exactly, and challenge you. Another one that I heard only recently, which I thought was great, was like, employ people who will have your back in a room that you're not in, mm. you know, in, in, in some ways. And that's a, that's a, that's a great one to have, I, I often think. Mm. But uh, I suppose it probably comes across. I, I'm quite infectious about the whole thing. I, I, mm. I, 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 I like to get it right. I spend a lot of time with our customers. I like to get their interaction. My day is very simple. I'm, I'm in early. I get meet people at breakfast. I, you know, I, I, you'll see from our reviews on TripAdvisor, all of our team members get mentioned by name because they make a big effort. Mm. Um, but essentially, hospitality is that ability to communicate. We can get the kitchen right, we get the food right, but if the if the ambiance isn't good, mm. it doesn't go too much, you know. And again, that in itself is what bring, brings us to the the most challenging part of the industry at the moment, and it's attracting people to work in it. Mm. I mean, there's a ma major skill set mm. has been lost mm. because of COVID. Mm. And how are, you, how are you getting around that? How, how are you dealing well, with that? Us personally here, I think, you know, people <clears throat> talk about our industry and about, you know, where we've been. Hospitality in general, general went to a very, very dark place over that period. We were the ones that were closed down first. We were told we couldn't open. We were given crazy rules to work with. I mean, um, you know, the, I mean, uh, you know, you're the burger and the pint, you remember that, you know, when, I, when you think back, you think, oh my God, uh, crazy stuff, like that we could sanitizing tables and we had to put an egg timer on it to tell you that, you know, that, that it was sanitized for five minutes and then it was therefore safe to go to it, you know, um, the, the table spacings, all of that. And we suffered all of that. And to be fair, um, by, our, by, by our nature, um, we got on with it because that's what we do as teams. But an awful lot of our teams were, were um, put out on the, on the, the famous 350 a week. Um, and we did lose some, absolutely. And there was a huge loss of good people who found other jobs, found online jobs, found jobs that had better time, better, better offering, could work two days for work, three days in the office, and so on. We can't necessarily do that in our industry. However, that said, as an industry, I think we need to find ourselves um, circling around rostering. Like, I'll give you an example. We did a thing here a year and a half ago where senior members of the team now work um, in, 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 in certain departments, work four-day weeks. Now, they work four 10-hour days, but it works an absolute treat. It gives me better cover, and they're better formed because they're getting up, particularly if they have children and whatever, you know. So you have to, we have to move with the times. Down to, you were probably down at the IHF conference yourself recently where um, Ron O'Gara was, the, was the, the keynote speaker. And he made a comment that struck with me and it was about, he talked about, you know, um, him coaching young rugby players at La Rochelle and the difference between 
how he would have been spoken to as a, as a pro when he was starting out and how he has to speak to these guys. And he made the point that it was, it, it's not the kids that have to change, it's us. And he's very right in the sense that, you know, yeah, they're into TikTok, yeah, they're into all that stuff. But I remember when I came home in the 80s with a pair of jeans and I proceeded to cut the knee in them and my father thought I was off my head. I'm sure he thought I was equally mad. Mm. But the kids, you know, they're our future. And as an industry, what I suppose what we have to get out there, that it's not all about service and all about that. There's so many jobs within our business. There's so many finance jobs. There's so many IT jobs. There's people who have to be social media experts. You know, there's all of that. And then behind the scenes, then you have kitchens, uh, head chefs looking for GPs, and the compliance side has become enormous now. So you need people to look after that. And then you have a full maintenance and engineering um, section as well, which these people, and all of these people have to get on. And all of these people have to sort of push the one way for the business to work as a whole. And then you have, obviously, you have the cost side of things. Yeah, and do you think some of the problems that arise with attracting people to, this, to the sector is that, and as over, the, over the last number of years, we've had this sort of insane drive towards everybody going to college and getting a degree that we're, we're, we're you know, we're putting so much emphasis in getting your degree without getting a life skill. Is, is that part of the problem? I, I think so, and I think there's a lot of pressure on young people to go, and oftentimes you've got, you got kids following parents' dreams in the terms that, you know, you know I, I'd like, you know, they've been, not forced, but they've been sort of pushed in a certain direction. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they might have a skill that's completely different to what they're going to do. And I think, I think that's part of it. I spoke only recently with a, with a principal of a school here locally, and we had this conversation. He talked about seeing that a lot in the schools, that, you know, kids are living the parents' dream, whereas that kid might be better off going out there and getting a, an apprenticeship and going to become an electrician or a carpenter or a builder or, or, or whatever, and mm -hmm. be earning just as much money as he's going to earn as an accountant or a, or a, or a doctor or, or whatever, and be in, a, in, a, in an industry where they're comfortable and they, they know what they're doing. Our business, historically doesn't have the best track record in terms of looking after people, I would say. I think that's changed enormously. One of the things I, for example, we would insist on here, staff food is very good here, very good. It's a simple thing. Staff food, have it right, make sure they're looked after and whatever, it's the old army marches on its belly type of thing. And we find that works, little things like that. And I've had people leave us and come back to us in a fortnight later and realize that that lunch that they get you know, cost them at 12 euro in town per day, and they work that out. And they mm. say, oh, this is, this, is, this is actually quite a perk, you know. Mm. The, going back to your point about um, the young people and, uh, and whatever, I point out to all of our young people the fact that if they work well for us, I know general managers all over the world. So if you end up in New York and you're looking for a job, I can make a phone call or send an email and say, this uh, Anya here is a cracking lassie. You'll, you'll do, you won't go wrong by her. I do the same thing with guys who go to Galway, Dublin, Cork, Belfast. I'd, obviously, I'm fairly mm. ingrained in the business. I know GMs and all of these roles. And I have no problem recommending young people to go. So they can have a couple of days work during the week and hopefully come back to me at the weekends. Right, but, yeah. you know, and the, the ability as a passport to travel and actually get a job and be able to pay your way around and have, and I encourage people to travel. I think everybody should do it. Mm. You know, um, but yeah. I'm and you think that our careers, guidance teachers, maybe need to embrace the industry more and get get to know it better than that, what their, their perception of it? Because it seems to be that that seems to be the blockage that they have a certain perception 
of the sector yeah. without realising it. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, over the years, salaries have improved and that probably hasn't been reflected in, in what has been pushed out to the students. And what, Yes, it takes a while to get there, absolutely, like most jobs. But if you have a, if you have a grow for it and you're actually good with people, or you've, it doesn't even matter. I mean, if you have a grow for finance or you're, you're good at that side, I mean, we all know how important it is now to be, you know, chasing rate. Mm. <laughs> people who are good with figures and people who can understand that sort of systems and so on. There's so many different facets to the business mm. that, you know, there's an opportunity for most people within it. As regards to what way they're pushed, I, I, I look, at the end of the day, the, 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 the school system, I don't know how many people do, will say they, they think it's home economics and chefing all the time. It's not, you know, there, there's an awful lot more to the business. But sometimes we get, we take people on, on, on we'll say, three-week or four-week sort of placements from, from schools. You'd be amazed how they get on. And they actually like it and they go back and say, oh, you can get paid to do this. Absolutely, you can't. Mm. You know, and, and as you say, it's a passport to, to travel. But um, do, do you think some of those TV programmes that we see, say the likes of the Gordon, yeah. Mr. Ramsey and people like that, that yeah. show it in a certain light. Yeah, that it's not helpful. Yeah, it's that, not that helpful. Parents watching that would yeah, say, my yeah, not going yeah, to work Yeah, yeah it's not helpful. Um, <clears> and, and sadly, that is the case that people see that and they think that's the norm, which of course it's not, because at the end of the day, you, that, that, those days of, of that sort of draconian carry-on in the kitchens, it, it doesn't happen. Uh, you, wouldn't get, you wouldn't get away from, you wouldn't get a business to work around that. I think um, if it was me, when I watch programs like that, I generally watch things like Chef's Table on Netflix and stuff like that, which is all mm. sort of high-end dining, which I love. I love all that stuff. And I'm a bit of a, a nerd when it comes to that sort of high-end stuff. I love to watch that. And if you were watching that as a young man saying, wow, you know, you see what these guys can, you know, how they make these dishes and how they look and how they present them and so on. No, granted, it's a very niche market, but still, it looks fantastic. I love all that stuff. So you're better off showing them something like that and showing the skill set that's required to get to that level, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think, look, here we talk incessantly about, um, you know, uh, having somebody, for somebody who's leaving. So we would say for somebody, somebody's about to leave the hotel, do we have someone in-house? And we always try to encourage people to, 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 to um, be recruited from within. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But on the whole, we'd, we'd, we'd always encourage people to go for jobs that come up internally that, that, that impress them. You know, mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, um, we have a very low turnover of staff in this hotel. And it's driven oftentimes, not by me, but by my team and whatever. It's a culture thing. I was going to say, maybe the fact that you're maybe rural, does that help you attract staff? Because, you know, local people will find local people. Yeah, yeah, there's an element of that. Um, and people say, you know, because we're a rural hotel, absolutely. But we, we're extraordinarily busy during the week when they're all the way at college as well. So we need to have a good core setup. Yes, and we have brothers and sisters who work for us. We have parents who come in here and ask us for jobs. You know, father kids going forward into the year. Um, but there's, there's, I mean, there's a finite number of them as well. There's a lot of hotels looking for these young people to work for them and, uh, and whatever. Um, the, the rural side of things, I, I love it. I mean, I'm, I've, I've worked in obviously cities for many, many moves, so I, I live locally here now, so it, it, works, it works well for me. Um, uh, I think at the end of the day, I, I, like I go back to the fact that we don't have a huge turnover staff in this hotel, but that comes back to culture. That comes back to how you treat them, how you speak to them, and knowing them and knowing their best, albeit that you're strict around standards. As I say to them, you know, the, the standards you pass by are the ones that you accept, you know, type of thing.
Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, 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 if you're going to leave that there, well, that's, you know, that's your standard. If you're going to leave rubbish uh, on the front steps of the hotel, that's your standard, you know, so you yeah. do it or don't, you know. Yeah, yeah. Little things. Yeah, yeah. Little, little uh, what do you call it, um, phrases that yeah, yeah, I them. mean, But you, 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 you know, again, you talk about rural. What's your mix? Like, I mean, are you a leisure? Are you a domestic? Or where, where did your business come we, from? We have a really nice sales mix in terms of uh, midweek, during, we'll say, the, 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 uh, the shoulder season and the off season, for one term, seasons. I don't, we don't do seasons. We're not like a Kerry or, a, you know, a Donegal or, or whatever. So we're busy all the time. We have a mix of corporate business, Monday to Friday, Monday to Thursday. Um, all sorts of guys coming here who stay in a hotel for... for project work or they're here for business or they might be using us as a base to go into the north mm-hmm. go to Enniskill and go to Oma go to you know to, um, Tarma or, or, or what have you and use us as a base um, and then obviously we have a big leisure business we have a big wedding business and we have a good meeting room business as well so we have about 10 meeting rooms here that are used almost all of them in use all the time we have good corporate clients locally and guys that come and use us you know, on a regular basis um, Cavan, I suppose, is a centre. Then we get on to the leisure side. The leisure side is very strong. It's very strong this year going forward. Um, but there's been big efforts made locally to drive Cavan as a destination. So we have locally, like for example, we have the lakes. Everybody talks about the lakes and we have Loch Uchter and we have Cavan Adventure Centre. As a town, the town itself and the general influence is well serviced with everything that you could possibly want from cinemas, cinemas rugby clubs, tennis clubs, football clubs, all of that, lots of good schools, striking distance to Dublin, an hour and a half at worst, you know, the airport the same, Belfast an hour and a half away. And then you have the bigger, bigger hotels like the Sleeve Russell down there bringing the huge conferences into here, which we get a little bit of feed off, you know, in terms of extra accommodation. You mentioned yourself that mm. you'd stay there, stayed here a few times. Um, so we, we have a right mix of stuff. We don't open at Christmas um over that three year period which again i see as a little plus for the team you know they get home to, and then we come into like all leisure hotels we hit that you know five or six weddings in a row after after christmas and it's a very busy time um i suppose we have that nice mix of business that that currently like i say we're busy enough during the week we're hitting good occupancies and good rate um and like i say people seem to like us Another piece of business that we get a lot of and is transient and one night stays where people are going from the south or the southeast and going to Donegal and they use us as a stop off and then stay overnight one night and then move on to move on to Donegal. Or alternately, we get a great lunch and evening lunch trade from non-residents doing the same thing, use it as a, as a, as a stop off on a long journey, come in, have a bite to eat and move on. Mm. So, you know, there's the, well, like I say, we're in, a, we're in a handy location on the right side of the town coming from Dublin. So we get a lot of that, you know. Yeah, and if you look at, you know, in the past, you know, cross-border business would have been a very key component mm. of a lot of the mm. hotels on the border. Mm. But has that reduced now, given the peace dividend? Has that well, changed? Well, we get, like, I mean, I, I, I walk the breakfast room every morning mm. and I meet people and we have a real mix of people in that room there, even this morning. So whatever they're staying, there's 780 people staying. So we have a real mix of northern people coming in. Now, this week is exceptional in terms of the week that we're going into mm-hmm. um, with the 12th and all that. But we will get a lot of people coming from the north down to stay for a couple of days with us um, and do all sorts. There's a big, big equestrian centre here locally. Mervyn and Pauline are brilliant. And it is, it is mm-hmm. huge business uh, for the town. It's one of, it's, they will tell us, uh, people who come to say it's one of the best in the country, if not the best. 
and there's a lot of business comes through that. So midweek you could have horse sales out there and you guys coming from all over Europe to stay. And they're coming in and they're going out to buy horses for show jumping or, or whatever. And they stay with us. And then on weekends, they might have big uh, pony shows and show jumping shows and whatever. So they're, they're a big driver of business too as well. Big influx of people in from the north and north European, UK for, for events like that. Um, the northern business, we do a lot of northern weddings. Um, they don't have, well, I was not saying they don't have, but they don't probably have as much as many hotels as we have along the border on this side as they have on, on, on the other side. Um, and they come and they can be two day and sometimes three day events that become big, big events, you know? So we'd have an awful lot here locally. We'd, last weekend, a great wedding, we had a, we had a, a, um, you know? So you imagine the fun around the football and mm. all of that going on as well. And they stayed for two days and it was quite the event to be fair. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but in a nice way. Yeah. Um, but they were, you know, look at the end of the day, we're in a good place. Business on the books are strong going forward. We're part of a larger group, um, mm. which helps us enormously in the sense that, you know, certainly around compliance and around, you know, uh, shall we say, uh, HR and, and, and things like that. So we're, we're, we're lucky in that sense as well that we have that backup going forward, you know. And I, mean, like had, I think the 17 in the group, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 the Windward group, yeah. And that's, that's, that's all over the country. Yeah, they're the mix of everything and a lot of them are outside city centres. So you mm. just throw a few names out there. Harvey's Point is one, you mm. know, Farm Estate is one, ourselves, the Anna and Thurlis off the top of my head, um, you know, Mount Wosley. Um, you'd have um, most recently there um, Brooks, yeah, and Yagodo Hotel and Kerry, you know. No, Ahado Heights. Ahado Heights, Heights and Kerry. So yeah. like, there's a real selection of, of hotels. A lot of them leisure hotels, you know, and mm. outside city centres and whatever, you know. But um, fantastic properties, to be fair. Connemara Coast being another down there, you know. Um, um, <coughs> the most recently, um, I'm trying to think of the name. Uh, Dunboyne Castle, mm. um, you know, places like that, all right, fine, yeah. fine hotels in their own right and a lot of leisure business around them. And there's obviously, there's, there's, there's great opportunity within a group like that to um, sort of network amongst them at general managers and see what works, what doesn't work. You know, we look yeah. at lots of stuff, you know. And, and obviously you mentioned there, like earlier on about, you know, the kitchen and that there and technology. Mm. And technology is a key component, when, you know, in how you work on that there. Would you find that you become a bit more, I suppose, use technology more and more in your day-to-day -day business? Well, we do. Um, I'll give you an example. Me personally, I don't use an office. I don't have an office. Mm. I have a, a, usually anybody who walks into the hotel will see me at the top left-hand corner and you'll know who I am with a laptop because everything is clouded. I can mm. see everything I need. I can watch what's going on around the hotel. I spend a lot of time on the floor. So my busiest admin time is probably between seven and nine in the morning. Um, we get a lot of that done. Um, all the reports come in to me by email. So, I mean, I don't have to be going out and printing off sheets and, and, uh, and so on. That side of it is huge. The kitchens are very advanced in terms of, you know, HACCP systems now with kitchen tech and, you know, probe systems and, and all of that for health and safety. Um, the leisure centre, our leisure centre particularly, Zest, is, is exceptional. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's a white flag award for the last 20 years. And it's like in the, in the top, 2% of, of, of leisure centres in the country run really well by, by, by Gail and her team and Daryl and the crew down there. But it, it, again, technology plays a big part in that around compliance and, and temperatures and jacuzzis and um, everything that we do now, I go back to that compliance piece mm. has become so huge, you know, be it food and beverage, be it, be it you know, 
uh, Legionella, be it, you know, um, you know, all of those things. Mm. And we have to have all our ducks in a row in, that, in, in those terms. And again, the HR department becomes larger and larger as new pieces of legislation come in that we have to follow, you know. So, you know, it, it, there's lots, lots going on, but we get lots of help. And the fact that we're part of a larger group gives an opportunity to network amongst general managers. And if one guy's got a problem, he can go on a WhatsApp and say, listen, this is a problem when you're encountering anybody come across this before, or alternately go straight to central office and central office will give you a, a line on it or, or, you know, give you some help with it, you know. And there's a bigger, larger purchasing wing as well, which to be fair is great for trying to keep our margins and so on in, in, in tack, you know, so it's, that, and again, that goes through technology. So, for example, we don't pick up the phone anymore to ring and order the, the carrots. You know, it's, it's all done pre through Procure Wizard and it'll sort of go and find the best price as far as versus the best quality. So you have that thing going on as well, you know, in, in terms of quality versus price. Um, so all of those systems are driven to save labour, save time, save money. One of the things that the industry, I suppose, um, complains about is that tourism doesn't appear to have a real seat at the cabinet table. That is only a, it's mm. almost a nod it gets. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I think Minister Martin, her, her brief is far too large. I think we do, given the amount of people working in industry, given the levels of revenue and, 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 and revenues generated and tax taken and, and so on generated, that we definitely need to have a one person in that position. I think, to be fair, I mean, most of her week this week is taken up with, with, with RT, you know, this is high season for, for Ireland in terms of getting tourism into the country and what have you. And mm. like, her, she, there's no way she can be working on that with what's going on or all the other, st all the other things that are in a brief. Absolutely, I think it, it's, it's shameful that we don't have our own, given the levels of, of, of um, yeah, we have Fulch Ireland, we have all these other people working for us, but given the levels of revenue and the amount of people involved in the industry and the opportunities in the industry, and believe it or not, I f firmly believe that the way the world is going now in terms of climate change, so more and more people are going to come to our country because we're not the, we're not, you're not going to be roasted alive mm. in the short term, and they're going to see it as a destination. Oh, I've never been there. And we know we have good opportunity, we know we have good food, we have beautiful, a beautiful country. We know anybody goes around will tell you that, you know, the, the food here is exceptional. Yeah, but you mm. think there's a problem too when a minister, depending on who it is, and Minister Martin would appear to be very much um, driven towards the arts and has a grow mm. for that. Mm. And sometimes they will emphasise their attention to that area. And it's out in tourism, you know, like, you know, that's... That, that has been motored, that she doesn't really hasn't attended an awful lot of support of the industry. Yeah, I, th I think, as you, as you pointed out, I think at the end of the day, we are big enough as an industry to have our own minister and, and someone who's going to driving our tourism industry further and further and further. I think, I mean, I, I think in many ways the tip of the iceberg has only been reached. We're coming back from COVID. We have opportunities there whereby, you know, the development of, of, of as uh, you know, Team Ireland, shall we say? I mean, things like you know the, the North Atlantic coast and places like that. Beautiful places. Yes, Fulton do a great job, but I, I still think you know, given the size of the industry, we certainly have to have our own our own minister. Mm -hmm. And one of the thing, one of the key components of that maybe be the fact that our politicians don't see it as a great voting block. Perhaps not, but I wouldn't think that they'd agree with you down in Kerry or in North Donegal, they would see it as a huge, a, a huge uh, thing. Uh, uh, they'd be foolish to think otherwise, given the revenues that it develops. You know, I think 
uh, I keep going back to this, but you know, um, Destination Ireland is, is, is fantastic. But is enough being done to actually drive, you know, big, big visit? Do we need a third runway? You know, all that type of thing, you know, to, to drive more and more business into us. It's, it's not enough. I mean, I, I remember when she got her brief looking at it and thinking, oh, my God, that's an awful long brief. Even the, the I, I couldn't even tell you what the, the full title is. It's that long, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, it's, mm -hmm. but it's not for me to make those decisions. Right, right. Know. Okay, maybe wrap it up then, you know. We're sitting here, it's lashing rain outside. <laughs> After all that talk. <laughs> After all that talk about destination. Yes. But um, I That's take why it from it's green. You, yeah. That's I why it's green. I take it that you're quite upbeat and positive about the future and about tourism and hospitality in, 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 in going forward. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a glass half full type of guy. And at the end of the day, I think the business, we, I look on a personal level, we look at our hotel and we look at, I'm sure, many hotels in our country. Business on the books going forward is strong um, and, and, and into the end of the summer and whatever. Um, I think uh, we have the, we've, we've spent money. Lots of hotels have spent money bringing the, the standards up in terms of what they're offering. I think, you know, I don't think we're going to fall off a cliff or anything like that. And I'm glad people are getting to go away as well. And I think the one good thing in many ways around the whole COVID thing was it made people look internally at what was on offer. So the second holiday has more and more become a domestic one or even a three days or a long bank holiday now that we have an extra one. Do you know, people are saying, oh, do you know what? I'd love to go here, but I've never been there. And we get a lot of that here in Cavan. And then they go away pleasantly surprised with all the stuff that they can do locally and, you know, the quality of the food. I mean, we're very fortunate here in town. We have some exceptional restaurants and we have an exceptional restaurant here ourselves in the hotel. I think I, I'm very positive about where we're going. I'm positive about the team that I have working with me here currently on a personal level. I see that at group level as well, that we have a lot of, we have a lot of strong people coming in to work for us there. Um, I think we'll look like, like everybody, we're going to have our challenges going forward. But um, a mix of technology, good training and, and, and general just hard work, I think we'll be okay. Okay, okay Michael, thanks very much. My Appreciate pleasure. it. Thanks. Okay. You've been listening to the Hospitality on a Plate podcast, brought to you by Hotel and Restaurant Times, kindly supported by Guestline, technology solutions for the hospitality industry. Follow us on all social media platforms or hotelandrestauranttimes.ie.